welcome back to the popcorn podcast that's poc for people of color popcorn this is the podcast we review movies that have been written by directed by produced by starring you guessed it people of color so today we are with you for a special I feel like all our episodes are special personally, but this one is yet another one in our series trying to acknowledge and celebrate Asian Pacific Islander, Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Booyaka, all right, look at me. <laughs> the movie we're gonna be reviewing today is called Boy. It was all of the things. And I say that with a huge smile on my face face but first let's introduce ourselves i am one of your hostesses my name is tamaya and i'm joined by my lovely co-host as always please introduce yourself hello all this is esther it's it's good to be here with you all i'll leave it at that <laughs> and as my co-host information <laughs> nope that is all that is all so we are talking today <laughs> about the film Boy, which is a 2010 New Zealand comedy drama film written and directed by Taika Waititi, and apologies if I say it wrong, but um, so Boy synopsis, it Boy, an 11-year-old child and devout Michael Jackson fan who lives on the East Coast of New Zealand in 1984, has a chance to know his absentee criminal father who has returned to find a bag of money he buried years ago. And this film is highly, highly recommended when you do search for um, films, you know, about Pacific Islanders, because um, look at it into it a little bit in a cultural corner, but wanted to point out that in New Zealand, the film eclipsed previous records for a first week's box office tickets for local production. And actually, Boy went on to become the highest grossing New Zealand film at the local box office. So that is a very big feat uh, for, um, again, a film that is very much locally produced um, by Taika Waititi with very much local talent um, that weren't as, you know, well known as, you know, Taika is known, you know, now and, you know, Marvel circles. <laughs> so with that, I Excellent point. move in into culture corner very quickly. So the characters um, of this film are Maori and um, the Maori people are the indigenous Polynesian people of mainland New Zealand. Um, and so a lot of New Zealand culture is obviously uh, in, you know, intertwined and entrenched and um, what's that word? Basically is colored and uh, influenced by Maori uh, from just regular like language idioms to culture and all of that. One of the most famous things, right, from Maori culture that people might know if you're not even like remotely familiar with it is like, you know, the famous haka that they do, especially during rugby um, matches. Um, so, yeah, so it has evolved the Maori culture over several centuries in isolation. Because, again, if you think about like where New Zealand sit, 
with even within like you know, Polynesia and Oceania as a whole, very much still secluded. So that particular seclusion and isolation um, has developed a very distinctive, distinctive culture whose language, mythology, crafts, and performing arts evolve independently of other Eastern Polynesian cultures. Uh, right now, as of uh, 20, well, 20, around, based on 2018 census, there's around 70, 775,836 Maoris. Um, uh, and then on the 2016 census of Australia, there's around 140,000 uh, Maoris. From the UK, it's approximately 8,000. In the United States, it's 3,500 based on our 2000 uh, census, but that probably has increased since then. It's like 20 years old. Um, and yeah, so with that, I am going to dive into our questions, our very famous questions. Our famous questions. Everything we do is famous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. With the first question being, what were you expecting and what did you hear about this film? The first thing that I had heard about this film was nothing. Something that you'll find consistent with um, at least me, not necessarily Esther, but at least me when it comes to the foreign films that we are diving into to make sure we expose ourselves and our audience properly to all these wonderful cultures is that I don't, I'm not as well versed even as a cinephile in films of foreign nature or from anywhere outside of the US. Now I've seen them, I love them, but I'm not as, I don't dig as deep and haven't seen nearly as many as um, obviously maybe American, especially box office like films. So with these kinds of films, I tend to kind of just enjoy the ride, the element of surprise. So I didn't hear anything about this one, um, except from outside of Esther who found it, it was widely acclaimed and it looked cool. That's usually all we need. Any type of description that does not allude to intense trauma, we're pretty much for it. We, we don't really have that many standards. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sad to say that, that um, the only standard is non-trauma, <laughs> but it's the truth, <laughs> if we can just say so ourselves. So really, I didn't hear anything. What I expected with Boy was a coming of age story um, of this child in this environment, in this country, in this land, just seeing how he moved through the world, how children at this time in this place moved through the world. And what I got, we didn't answer, ask that question yet. So I'll wait till the next question. What about you, Esther? <laughs> um, yes, so I kind of have been aware of Boy and kind of passing. And I believe the reason why I never really sat down to watch it was one, it's not as easily available on streaming platforms as like you know, other films, um, which you know is a barrier, sadly, to like enjoying it. Um, and also, I tend not to personally go for the coming of age stories from like the 1980s. Um, those never really appealed to me as a whole. So that was that. But I do. I am somewhat very, not very, but I, I am somewhat familiar with 
Taika Waititi's work. I love him as an actor. Like he is a comedic, like comedic genius to me. And I also have completely enjoyed his writing as well as directing. So when, you know, we were looking for films to specifically honor Pacific Islanders um, and seeing that movie on the list, I was like, oh, okay, like for sure, I'm going to try to make this happen if I can. Um, and I, in a way, also am very interested about Maori culture. I have a number of shows that I watch um, independently of, you know, films, but I, I'm more of a show person. And a couple of them are based out of New Zealand. And through that, I've been somewhat um, becoming familiar, at least getting exposure to Maori culture. And it's just, you know, it's something that I want to learn more about and be more um, entrenched on. So it kind of hit, you know, two, three things at once, right? It was great for our podcast. I want to um, consume more work from Taika. And, you know, it speaks specifically about Maori culture, which I'm very much, you know, interested in. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. And exactly what I said. I'm glad I said I'll speak for me and not Esther, because I mean, <laughs> Esther has heard and really dug up into this thing, which is excellent. So I always trust you and put my, my heart in your hands. Um, it's not always uh, that trust isn't always rewarded. Uh, <laughs> well, I will say it's that it did. It did I, you'll trust me to pick a film and you'll be like, what the heck? And I'm like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like it's equal at this point. So with that, what did the inciting incident incite in you? So the inciting incident, I felt like, and tell me if you agree, we always have a conversation of yeah. whether we're correct in our inciting incident. I would say it's when dad shows up. Yes. So we meet this kid and he is um, always has his head in the clouds in a way. He reminds me of myself when I was young. I was oh, I was a big daydreamer. Oh, storyteller, making up stories, not necessarily lying, literally just telling people, you know, this is a story I made up. And this kid is like head in the clouds kind of kid. Number one, he is the cutest thing ever. His smile is so infectious. Like one of these close-ups, when you get to see this kid smile, all you want to do is smile with him. He's adorable. And his family is. So you find out, I think, a lot about him from the intro, which if you're ever going to do exposition, this is the perfect way to do it. And it's basically this kid having to stand in front of class and tell this class about what his life or and all the things. And he basically just breaks it all down, who he lives with, how he lives with his grandmother, um, and all his siblings, all these siblings, no, one sibling and all these cousins. And he just helps to take care of all of them. His mother since passed, his father, um, I believe he actually said this in the story that his father was locked up, but was in the army, basically did any and everything a superhero adventure person, movie actor would do. He was basically the Tom Cruise of New Zealand with all the different things. And this kid, this, this father apparently did. Um, escaped out of, oh, we didn't get to escape out of jail yet. It was when another kid tried to bring him down, like, your father ain't nothing. Your father in jail like my dad. And he's like, uh-uh, 
my dad escaped with a spoon and killed the guards with the spoon as well. And basically, so we get this kind of, um, from as an audience, we get this buildup to who this guy is, this dad. Um, and you know, you automatically assume the guy isn't in his child's life. He's probably out here, some kind of bum or whatever, um, or just, you know, non-inclusive parent. And so he's left his child to these devices. And so the kid, of course, creates these wonderful, fantastical stories of who his parent is to fill in the gaps of the parent he never got to know. So you don't think anything of it. I never think the dad's gonna show up at all. And then ideally grandma has to go um, somewhere. Unfortunately, I think it might've been a funeral, but she had to go and she's okay leaving this kiddo since he's the oldest, but he can't be more than what? Is he like 10, 11? He's definitely he's not 11. a teenager yet. He's okay. 11. 11 in charge of all these cousins and the little one in terms of cooking, making sure they're clean, ready, put to bed. He's responsible. He's sweet. He's imaginative. He has these friends. And just like any coming of age boy uh, um, or girl story of a kid has a huge crush on the most popular girl. Like we get a really good sense of who this kid is early on and obsessed with Michael Jackson to the point where he imagines his father himself anything in a Michael Jackson format. So that's him. And we also get introduced to his adorable little brother, which I think also made the film because he's just apparently odd compared to the other kids that they all call him that. He's a super drawer. He loves to draw. And all of his drawings come to life. Guys, this film is so cool and beautiful and it's artistic just expression. His film, all his drawings come to life. It's really, really, it's just insightful into the kind of daydreaming kid he is versus the one his brother, the main character is. And so again, back to the inciting incident, daddy shows up. Grandma's not there convenient. He shows up with his boys and they decide to just stick around because they don't have, you know, grandma, the adult basically. And yes, his father's an adult too, in theory, not in mind. Um, <laughs> to, you know, like, you know, get out of here if you're not gonna be a no good, some of, some of them are gonna. And I'll be honest, when this scene hit, the guy said, you know, this is, I'm your father, all this other stuff. I didn't really believe it. I, at first I was like, yo, back up kid. Who is this dude? Don't invite him in the house with all these other kids. Like I immediately got scared. Cause again, trauma be traumaing when it comes to people of color films. Thank God it did not go there. He was just literally a, a moocher taking advantage of his mother's, um, of his mother's parentless house and his kids his kids who look up to him and just so the first thing inside of me was fear the second thing is I so for me at the very beginning we learned that the grandmother has to go for at least a week away to attend a funeral and the whole <laughs> the whole movie and especially when this exciting incident happened I was like please please like let's not kill this poor grandma those kids need her <laughs> like I was so worried right because I was like yes yeah. so I think for sure I was worried that something would happen to her and also it took me a long time to believe that he was actually the father uh it it I finally accepted it when he we have a scene of um Alamein, who's the father, calling and talking to the grandmother, asking 
her for like you know money and things like that and I was like okay that's legit like it, it 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 she's alive and also you know they they obviously know each other because of how he's talking to you know his mother and all of that um but kind of overall what his arrival marked for me is I, I was really hoping, like, I was really hoping that, you know, that that delivered on some aspect and, and we just kept being disappointed alongside boy and, and that just broke my heart. So, yes. So kind of going right into, did the climax deliver? I was like, I, I don't think we necessarily have a antagonist. I mean, we do in the father. But again, this movie is really a coming of age story um, and which really is about revealing the, re the harsh reality of the world to somebody who's innocent, usually a young child. So in that way, like adults tend to be, you know, not necessarily the antagonist, but just the breaker of that innocence. So I definitely agree. I can say that for me, the climax really, it did deliver. It delivered in a way straight out. No, it just delivered. It was just when, when this guy continues to be, unfortunately, the trash that he is, um, that we assume. <laughs> I feel like, at least me, I assumed he was trash. And then what was the Toy Story line from Toy Story 4? Oh, you're trash, just like me. Like, I assumed he was trash. But as the boy put all his hopes into this guy and the fact that he was there and it wasn't fully clear his intentions just yet, you know, there seemed to be some hope that he can and will pull through for his kids. And the more the film goes on, the more you see just how trash he is. He's only willing to stay. He's a transactional person. He's only willing to give as much as he can get. Um, he even threatens the mother at some point. I'm not going to stay with these kids. You know, if you want me to spend time with them, yeah, but you got to give me some money. Like, I got to, I need this money. And so with that, it was just like, oh, you are the, in fact, the trash. I, I very much so thought you were, <laughs> which is very disappointing. And the, and the crazy thing is, I don't even think boy was so so sure and so hopeful for this man that he didn't even let the disappointment sink in um, until he left him, literally left him from anger, left him and his friends, the father. And so boy ends up, you know, in, in, in frustration, I think he ended up digging and digging, finds the money, decides to flex with the money, wears his father's coat, acts like his dad, you know, talks about, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be like necessarily accepting the fact that his father just left or maybe he's sure he's going to come back. It just, it didn't seem to hit him to me until daddy comes back. He's excited to see him. And then dad just lashes out, just lashes out at boy for having the nerve to, to wear his stuff, to buy people ice cream just lashes out and shows that side that he's kind of been trying to keep tucked away from his son. It was 
and that's when you see the true, true disappointment. And the climax to me was when, and I think you agree, was when he shows up to his father after he's been hiding the fact that he gets stole this money. And we find out the goat eats all that money. Shows up to his dad, where his dad's sitting on his, you know, personal throne or what have you. And shows him how he, 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 the, the money's going and smacks him up real good. Just starts, just, obviously we don't condone violence, but this man needed us a smack or two. He oh my God, that was the best time. part of the movie. Oh honestly. my gosh, he needed to be popped up. And it was so good. It was so good. So, and then you see him just take care of his brother. Like, you know, let's get away from this dude. Take care of the family again. Because he had gotten to a point like his dad where he's like, you know, screw it all. I ain't got nobody to take care of. Forget you kids. Like you saw the switch from responsible, nice kid to, no, I'm going to be bad and I'm going to be myself. And self is only, you know, not necessarily independence as much as selfishness, mm-hmm. all in one. And then you see him officially shift back into the kid we meet at the beginning after he realizes you're trash. And, and no, I'm not going to allow it. And it was so good to see a kid do that in the best way a kid can. It wasn't some, you know, um, enlightening montage or, well, it wasn't montage. It wasn't some enlightening monologue is what I was thinking that you would get from adults when they like finally tell a person off. It was in a child's way of, wait a minute. All his memories and his stories and his daydreams of seeing his father present through all of his life and with his mother he kind of in his hurt and pain of his father attacking him realizes that like the reality comes into view and mm-hmm. all of those daydreams where his father was present, his father was never there. He placed him there mm-hmm. on his own. And gosh, that was deep. And when he realizes that he takes charge, absolutely not. You weren't there. Why weren't you there? You know what? I don't even care. Bye. And it was just good. Oh, was so good because as a child, I didn't think I'd get that satisfaction because you know a kid is limited mm-hmm. to what they can do to the adult, even if the adult is the abuser. And the fact that this kid got to really stand up to that abuser in the, in real time, not 10, 20 years later, which is totally understandable because that's what I expect. But the fact that this film gave us that at his 11 years of age was so satisfying. Definitely delivered for me. What about you, if you had anything else to say? Because you kind of intro that. Um, I will say, though, um, obviously, again, totally agree with all that you said. Um, I, there was a moment right before this powerful scene, right, where we have Boy basically um, fall from a bridge into a river. And I tell you, listener, that's just, oof. That had the feels because, again, right? Remember, this is a kid who's 11 years old, who is living in a generational home. Um, and what we can rightfully say is, you know, next to poverty, it seems like, again, I'm, I'm not so up to date on New Zealand history, but it feels like at the very least, if they're not on some sort of reservation as we have here in the United States, they are in a very um, disenfranchised and um, under, basically underfunded part of the country where they're at, you know? 
And so as a kid, you can see how fantasy and, 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 and imagination is your only escape in this 1980s world. And when you've gone through such a traumatic thing as Boy has gone through of literally um, watching his mom die giving birth, uh, and then again, having to um, manage sort of, in a way, adult responsibilities, right? Because the grandmother's age and how many kids that she herself is taking on. Um, and, and I also know that in a lot of Polynesian household, being the first born of like your generation does have a lot of responsibility just like thrust upon your shoulder um especially when it comes to being mature and taking care of those that come after you right either they are siblings or cousins because at the end of the day like there's there's usually no distinction between cousins and like you know your quote-unquote true siblings you're all like brother sisters if you're raised in that same household but even that same sort of like community you're all brothers sisters if you're from the same sort of um family tree um so you see that hope right that just amazing hope that he has for his father because not only is he right he's his father but he's been out of that community he's traveled out apparently um he's seen the world he's been to the to the shows to the pictures to the concerts apparently um and then to have to come to grip as again a never 11 year old like actually all of these things that i've known of my dad of the adult world are a false and not only are they false right but this person is the, is the antithesis of all that I've thought of them. They're not, they're not cool. They're not rugged. They're not, they're not strong, grand. right? They're, they're, they're not a good artist. Like he doesn't really know how to carve wood, the wood that I thought he could. He doesn't know how to fight. He doesn't know how to be like, you know, suave and a, you know, ladies man. Like he doesn't, he, he's none of these things. He's just, if, if not at my level, he's lower than me in terms of mental facilities. Like his emotional maturity is so low. All he worries about and cares about and, and thinks about is his money and appearing to be cool to others. Um, so in that way, like when he finally stands up for his younger brother, because the scene is his younger brother sort of like roller skating into their garage to, I think, either show the dad something or talk to the dad about like how he's so sorry for, again, there's this kid who's what, maybe seven, I don't know, <laughs> who feels like he's holding the world on his shoulder because he thinks that he's killed his mother, you know? And that is why perhaps, and he's like, you know, young brain, that's maybe why his dad just does not care for him at all, does not even like really um, acknowledges him, is because he might have like killed the love of his life or something, right? 
And he goes there and his dad is being a complete jerkwad, if I can use that word. So he's young, sad. You know, and I've used much worse words. So yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG here. <laughs> and you have boy who just like after his near suicide, right? Again, going through all of this on his own, just having the fortitude to be like, you know what? Like, just leave. Like, I'm gonna just slap you some sense into you so that you can just like leave us be and we can return to some sort of normalcy here um so yeah Whew, it was a lot it was a lot so, you're right for heartbreaking the little brother that whole moment so yeah i totally agree with you so with that what was the impact how did it make you feel you know overall after watching this um I wonder if I got the right words. I felt, all right, just basically, I felt good. It felt, it felt like I said earlier, super satisfying to see this young kid stand up for himself and his brother, to see him come to the realization that my childhood, even while he's in childhood, wasn't exactly how I imagined. And then I had to take control of my own fate and not necessarily depend on this man who just showed up in my life and stick to what's been safe and good all my life rather than trying to change it up to what I imagined it should be. It was like so many grown-up realizations in a child in the simplest ways, stuff that many of us are going through therapy to try to figure out <laughs> this kid did. Um, so I, I was really satisfying is the way. The impact was encouraging to kind of, you know, like I said, as a kid, I always had my head in clouds as well. And so it was really encouraging to kind of, um, you know, look down and around rather than keeping your head to the sky all the time and just take in what is and then work with that and find the joy in that. So that's what I feel like I took from this film. It was just really, really good and, and so pure. And then it even left us off with like a little glimpse of hope because at the very end, we're sure dad is gone. And honestly, nobody feels bad about it. And the boy and his brother go visit the gravesite, which in the beginning of the film, even in his sweet nature, you saw that he was always hesitant to visit his mom's gravesite and felt his brother was odd for constantly going there. And so at the end and full circle moment, you see him joining his brother there to kind of just be with her and her spirit and realize she's the one who's always been there for him, even you know up until her death. And then you see the father sitting there at the gravesite for the first time ever. And it's like, they just kind of stare at each other. And the little brother's completely unbothered by it all. <laughs> and we don't know what can happen or what will happen from there, but we know what was said needed to be said. And we know at least boy is at a better place, whether his father is or not. So it just brought all the things, satisfaction, encouragement, and hope. What about you, Esther? Um, Definitely agree with all that you said, but I wanted to tack on a question to you um since you know this is our series on specifically like you know the um pacific islander heritage month how did this movie perhaps enlighten or just we got one more don't we well it's no we have a popcorn moment that's it so that's no, what i love it <laughs> 
I mean, I really appreciate the exposure thus far. I feel like part of me, um, I can say part of me envies the simplicity of the lives I've seen in this culture, um, in these films. And not at all saying anything, nothing's average, yoker, you know, not simple in a negative term, simple and just, wow. Like so many things I feel like are appreciated and considered like from, well, if I'm talking about this film in particular, it made me reflect and, and, and appreciate and envy my childhood again and how simple that was. Um, how all you wanna do is hang out the days are super long, nothing's rushed by. You know, if you get an ice pop, that is like the highlight. <laughs> that is fine. Um, Where days and days and days on is all about dreaming about what's next and what you can do. You know, and the stress of it all is not even a factor. So that's what that had me. Um, really lean towards in this film in particular, in terms of the culture, being that we're talking about this Heritage Month, the simplicity of just like a lot of, just going to school and coming home, going to work and coming home, like just like working with the land, all the things, it's just so, it seems so simple. And I feel like, at least in my life, there's so many possibilities of things to strive for and work for, and it's exhausting here in America. It's exhausting. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm exhausted with this culture in this country right now. How would you answer that question? Um, for me, I'm thinking about, right, so far we've watched two movies, one about some, you know, Samoa, and then this one, you know, Maori. In a way, I don't know, there's something I feel like about, there's a kinship there when you're like from island cultures or something special about being from an island I feel like that I can see having you know watching these two films and with boy um the one thing that definitely speaks to me is sort of how much you know grandmothers um play a central part in raising like kind of their you know, the grandchildren generation um, how so much um, our childhood is because of the sacrifice of these grandmothers, because, right, like our parents had to kind of go to the city or kind of like, you know, just like leave things out, you know, in the country for a better life for their kids. So it's sort of like this cycle of sacrifice that goes on with like the grandparent and then like the grandchildren uh, um, generations, right? And it's like, and it's sacrifice on the grandparents, but it's also this continuation of culture and language usually. And um, and 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 I think like just wonderful that has happened when you are so close to your grandparents, or if you're lucky to be so close to your grandparents, um, and how that's cherished. Um, Do you feel like that's specific to Ireland, the Islanders here? Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. I'm, those are two different, different... Um, oh, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> different uh, thoughts there. Um, but, yeah. I, and the other thing, again, specifically about this film, Boy, it's just, I think this was so well written 
um, overall just about like what it is to be a preteen. With it, what like all of those things, like because a lot of times when I watch films, right? And I think we all have had that feeling or that thought of like, hey, like these kids act more like adults <laughs> or just like not really acting like their age, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But with this film, and I would say like this might turn my, you know, opinions about coming of age stories. It's like, I'm like, yes, right? Like he will make a complete, you know, full of himself in front of his crush. And like his friends will like kind of be a bit pervy and all of that. And, and like, you know, the girls might just like really be, you know, very detached and like Valley girl, like, oh yeah, fine, whatever. You know, just like, and it's, and it's, that's, that's, that's kids at 11 and 12 and eight and, and how like, you know, the innocence of just like not really caring if somebody is like on autism or just like, you know, a mental um, level, right? Like uh, with his brother and how he didn't care that, you know, there was this like older man who seemed to have some sort of, who seemed to be on the spectrum, honestly. Um, that was his friend. He didn't care. brother didn't care. Yeah. Right? right, and that's again like the that innocence. Older one, older one, our main character was yes. a bit of a jerk at first. Exactly, and again, you're like, yeah, like as as an eleven year old, you're trying to, you're trying. This is the time where you really want to, uh, mark your individualism, in a way, and and show up as like you know a big yeah, and an individual either for boys or girls, and that's where a lot of like the fantasy. Uh, and imagination comes to play and I was like yeah I buy it all yeah like this is something that you definitely could see happening and probably did happen right <laughs> so in that way very great impact for me with that we're going to go into a popcorn moment ma'am yeah so my popcorn moment for this film it was really a good film I enjoyed so much of it I'd say my popcorn moment was, I'm going to go with a happy one. My popcorn moment is at okay. the end, the very end, post-credit or during-credit scene, where the entire cast decides to do a Michael Jackson thriller, basically music video. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, girl. Yes. They all like literally are dressed in and does like the father's dressed in that um, Michael Jackson outfit like he did in his daydream. Mm -hmm. And they are doing a full on Michael Jackson thriller video. But in certain dance move scenes, instead of doing the actual moves Michael Jackson's known to do, like mm -hmm. especially our main character, they actually do um, the tra some traditional dances. Mm. that known to New Zealand, you know, when they stick their tongue out and it's just like, you know, very tribal movements and <sighs> like kind of, I loved it. It was Ooh. so good. <laughs> so this might be... And also, <laughs> yeah, I said, that's my popcorn moment and also just a good highlight to, um, I think what you were saying before into like the insider exposure into these cultures, like, even even when it is is um they're gonna drop tradition in somewhere so the first film was very traditional and this one not so you know didn't seem so much but they ended up dropping it in there and i love that i love that so 
Well, I will say though to that particular feedback, and I love how we watch, you know, like two very distinct films, both in terms of style and theme, right? Because, you know, the orator is very much, its goal is to make you, to plop you into Samoan culture. Like that is its goal for you to like understand and get a glimpse of Samoan culture. And with Boy, I feel that its goal really was to showcase that coming of age story. And it's like, oh, it's a coming of age story that features a Maori boy. You know what I mean? Uh, so his Maui-ness, like, is not the central focus. But because, you know, it's it, it definitely obviously um, impacts his life you're going to have to understand and and a little bit know about his culture and I feel like we that, again that's why I know we keep saying this all around and almost every episode now like that's why we do this podcast right? because that shows like you know there is vastness in storytelling that needs to be told for all cultures for all representation like we're it's like yes we need movies like the orators for sure and we also need movies like the like boy because right we're not just our culture and that's it and we're and we are coming of age stories we are love stories we are drama we are comedy we are you know historical fiction and non-fiction we are all these things and they all need to be shared and celebrated with all of us because we can only be better for it. I think that was beautifully said. <laughs> and with that, I want to add, before we get to our rating system, I want to add that they all, in this movie anyway, talked mm -hmm. very similar. Like mm -hmm. their voice talked very similar, like very low key, chill, high, a little higher pitched, just so chill. And I was like, I was bending over backwards trying to figure out where have I heard this voice before? And this is messing with me. And this is completely not profound, people. Mm -hmm. It is not. But the voice that I connected it to was Korg from the Thor, Ragnarok, and Beyond movies. And I don't remember. Esther, do you ever watch the Thor movies at all? Or any of the Avenger movies? Just I mean, just the one that I watched from Tor. I watched the first Which Tor one? movie. Um, but uh, I've obviously watched, I mean, we've obviously talked about, you know, Black Panther on this podcast, so. <laughs> yes, well, Avenger and all this other stuff, okay. Well, Korg, for all you nerds out there, might know, if you just, just look at a clip of, of that dude's voice, he is the sweetest, most favorite character. <laughs> from like the Thor universe. And he literally talks like that, like, hey, hi guys, yeah, this is uh, this is what I think. And uh, these are my butts, yeah, these are my butts. And now I wanna see where that character is from. <laughs> like, what? Because it was like dead on the exact same. It was just so entertaining to me. So yeah, just a little bit of non-profound stuff to add after Esther's profound statements. <laughs> And with that, we're going to go straight into our rating. So ma'am, give us the honor of your rating. My rating for this film was a solid 
Ah, uh, would I give it a large or extra large? I'm going to give it an extra large, an extra large popcorn. Ooh. Yay. I know, I know. It, it gave me the good feels. It gave me the good feels. I can't even deny it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll give it to it. Solid. Yeah. So I would say I'll give it a large. Um, because I think now like we're we're being very, very lenient with more extra large uh, ratings. How dare you judge my extra large rating? <laughs> but it is definitely a large uh rating, a large popcorn, but where you get to have refills for free uh with extra butter. So <laughs> um yeah, it definitely I just like. Too, but I was like, no, I'm gonna push it over the edge. I'm gonna push it over the edge. But I think this. Go ahead, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, so it definitely just if you're looking for something that you know puts you in the nostalgia of like 1980s, um, that you know gives you a glimpse of New Zealand um, imagery and also Maori uh, representation. And just an overall well acted, well written, well like just well edited um, film. That that's the one for you for sure. For sure. So, do you want to give us um, our uh, outro? Yes, yes, of course. So, thank you so much yet again for listening to the We Need to Talk Clubs Popcorn Podcast. This is again POC for people of color. We are, number one, grateful to have you listen. Also, we ask that you follow us, support us, review us on all your podcast listening platforms. We are under the channel. We need to talk channel. We need to talk club channel. All of our different podcasts are listed under there. We also have a website, we need to talk.club, where you can match our beautiful faces with our beautiful voices. And until we speak again, we will see you in the credits. Bye. <laughs>